You're listening to a sermon preached at Chael English Ministry in Sydney. We believe that God speaks through His Word, the Bible. We pray that as you listen, you will hear God's voice and be moved to worship His Son, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm doing a sort of thematic series on faith, hope, love. And there are readings for each because those passages have to have a lot to say on that topic, right? If Corinthians 13, if 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, what we read today is kind of like the faith chapter, isn't it? Yeah. But I won't be going through the whole chapter, but, but the reason why I got, or lovely, our brother Conrad read it for us, but it is so that it will remind you where to go again and again, because you can forget the sermon, that's fine. Right? If the sermon leads you to read Hebrews 11, hallelujah. Again and again, hallelujah. That's how I feel. Now, uh, you might know someone like this. In fact, you might even meet someone like this if you ever go out doing sort of missions or street evangelism. And you might have a friend or a family member like this. This is what I'm talking about. The person who says, well... I used to believe. I used to be passionate. I used to have conviction. But not these days. Do I still believe in God? I think so. But what happened to their faith? Was their faith really strong and then suddenly it got weak? What happened? What is it about their faith that has worked out in that way? And what is it about your faith that leads you and brings you to be church? One of the things that I reflect on and realize is the world that you know changes as you grow. So the world that you know as a kid, lovely kids have gone off to their um, creche program, is pretty small, isn't it? You know, it's, it's really, you know, you start out and it's the world of your parents, you know. So as a kid, whatever, whatever they do is right. Whatever they say is true. And it's continually expanding. What happens, though, sometimes, and I think you might agree, is that our world expands, but our knowledge of God doesn't. It's not that God is small. God is immensely big. But how we know Him, how we relate to Him, how we experience Him, how we obey Him, how we are disciplined by Him, they remain static in an ever-increasing world. And so we realize how big this planet is. We realize how much sin and depravity and atrocity has happened. We even are confronted by sins that we weren't even thought we were capable of sometimes. You know, do you ever think about your 10-year-old self and how you'd never do this and you'd never do that. 
And then you look back now that you're over 25 or 30 or whatever, you go, I did it all. Have you ever? Is that, is that, that's just me. In an ever-expanding world, we need our knowledge of God to expand with us. Now, when you read through the journey of faith in these hall of heroes, that's what we see. And you know, heroes of the faith, that's a helpful but sometimes unhelpful little title we have. Because really, it's the heroic God who is faithful to these men and women. They are heroes of the faith, but don't let that make you think, well, that's them. I could never be like them. If one thing you'll notice in this list is they are all imperfect. They, they, they had faith, but they were imperfect, but God did not abandon them. God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to build a nation through you. After a few years, Abraham, Sarah's like, let's just work it out ourselves with Hagar. God didn't say, too bad, I'm done with you. <laughs> he continues to work his promises out through them. But God doesn't compromise on his promises either. He doesn't say, oh, well, you've done it now. I guess, I guess I'll work through Hagar and Ishmael. He doesn't do that. He sticks to his word because God is not like us. He is always true. I want to give credit to the person I first heard this from. I'm sure he didn't come up with it. But I heard it from a preacher named Simon Manchester. Sort of get his Sunday sermons on the radio. But he said this. If I said I have great faith in my doctor, you would say, who's your doctor? If I said I have great faith in Eddie, my lawyer, you would say, can I get his business card? But it seems that when we talk about faith in Jesus, we make the mistake of focusing on the faith part and not the object of that faith. When we say, I have great faith in Jesus, the response should be, well, who's he? Tell me about him. But we tend to focus on how weak or how strong our faith is. We need to bring that back and think about the object of our faith. Jesus, who is described in God's word as the author and perfecter. He who began the good work is going to finish it. Think about that. Author and perfecter. When you realize your faith is not perfect, that means you don't give up. Why? You're not the perfecter. Oh, it's not working, God. I've been trying. I do everything Matt tells me to do. It's not working. You are not the perfecter. The author of your faith, the one who brought you to know his grace, to respond to his work, to receive his promises, he is the perfecter. And so your job, your job is to continue 
to trust in his promises even after you slip. And that's what we see in this list. Fallen, fragile, fallible men and women who are described as ones who kept the faith, who held on. Let me comment on, one, on verse 1, 2, and 3 a little bit here first. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So the ancients had their commendation. God commended them because they had confidence in their hope, and I'll talk about hope next week. They had assurance, conviction, certainty about what they did not see. The only way that can happen is character. Right? How can you be confident? How can you be certain about something that you have not seen? It's when the person who promised them has the character to back them up. So your friend says, bro, can I borrow $500? I've got to buy these kicks. And you say, I don't know. And he says, I will pay you back. You do not see the money, but based on the person that you know, you have confidence that his word is good for it. And you go, here you go, get those kicks. Right? Sorry, I just came back from youth message, so maybe it's a bit <laughs> high schooly. Right? So. so they had confidence in what they did not see because of the character of God who made those promises to them. That is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. All right. What does this mean here? You know, we talk about, you know, you've heard things like faith being blind and how Christians have to close their eyes to science. What are we talking about here? This is, I think this is really helpful. What are the limits? This is the question for us. What are the limits when it comes to human discovery? Can everything that can be known, everything that can be known, everything knowable, are they found within the possibilities of human discovery? Right? Our ability to measure, experiment, repeat, all those things. Or are some things within a different realm we call revelation? That is, God reveals himself. That's really the question here. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Because we were not there. We have, we have all this evidence of something happening. We have all this Ideas about life forming. But all of these are mechanistic answers. We get answers of how things may have come to pass. But none of these things tell us why. Why did this happen? 
And when we look for the cause of things, we have a record where God is saying, I spoke. And as Christians, by faith, we are taking God at his word. So this is where sometimes when people are not Christian and they want to talk about science, evolution, how things started, that's great. But ultimately, that is not where you want to stay. Because those things begin to smooth out as they look at Jesus. Because if you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that God came down in flesh, and that he rose again, if you can believe that he, like we sang, right? He who, there was a song in high school, he, he who spoke creation, he who spoke the law, kept the law. If you can believe that, then believing that God spoke light, sun, stars, it's not hard to believe the causality of things if you can believe in the incarnation of Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 13 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. It's important that we don't fixate on this moment where faith came in. It's, it makes for good testimony and it's important. But the question is not about when did you believe. The question is, were you believing when you died? Were you still living by faith? when your breath ended. And when they died, they did not receive the things they were promised. I don't know what's the longest thing you've waited for from a promise. You know, like sometimes husbands will tell their wives, one day, baby, I'm going to get you that, 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 that 50 carat, I don't know, you know. And then I'm still waiting, honey, I'm still waiting. Is that, is that you know, what's the longest promise that you've been waiting for? Abraham had to wait 25 years. David was anointed as a youth, but would become king, what, almost two decades or so later. God has this habit of putting a gap between promise and fulfillment. Why? Because he's a jerk? No. So that you might know him. Because as the world expands, your knowledge of God, your experience of his grace, of his faithfulness, it needs to expand. Because if your understanding of who God is, God is huge, but if your understanding of him doesn't continue to grow and marvel and develop, the world grows around you and its disappointments and your failures also grow around you. Those who have, in your life, when you see people with amazing, extraordinary faith, it's not the faith, it's not their faith that is huge. It's their God that is huge. 
It's that they've realized, perhaps more than you a little bit, how big God is. How does your faith grow? May God reveal more of himself to you. May you know more of him through his word, through your prayer, through your community. That is the key to living by faith. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. There's this irony here because Christ is our peace, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We spoke about this in Colossians earlier. But at the same time, we are foreigners and strangers because we are not home yet. And because we are not home yet, it is natural to be a little bit restless. It is natural to feel This is not my place. I don't fit. Of course that is going to be true. We are tasting a foreshadowing. We have a shadow experience of the reality. And people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Verse 16. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. I don't know if you guys know anyone with a refugee story, right? Many of us, if we trace back our lineage, there's, there's a lot of pain there somewhere, fleeing from persecution, trying to build a better life. So many people in this world long for a better country. And often they think, I want to go to Australia. I want to go to America. These days, some of them even, I want to go to Korea. I want to, you know, a better country, a country where I have an opportunity to make something of myself and my family to provide. For the Christian pilgrim, that country is a heavenly country. And when God sees his people longing to go home, longing for that heavenly country, he is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. Verse 39 repeats this idea. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us. You see here? See how These and us are connected in these two verses. These, none of them receive what was promised. And then in verse 40, the author says, since God had planned something better for us. It's not just these heroes. This list continues. It's not just the Old Testament heroes. It's the New Testament. It's the early church. It's the martyrs. It's you and I. It's every person who looked forward and held on God's promises. God had something better planned for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I'll finish up. Anna and Simeon. 
old people. And the infant Jesus was brought to be dedicated. And they had received by special means that they would see the promised one of God. The promise of God fulfilled in Christ. All the Old Testament prophets and kings and people waiting on God, that promise fulfilled. And they just see this little baby and they are praising God. We are on the other end. We who have the story of God's saving work in Jesus know so much more of the story than anyone ever saw in the Old Testament. And yet, the challenge for us is the same, isn't it? To hold to God's promises. To navigate this life. You know, it's not like you become a Christian and then you just disappear because God just takes you to heaven. You have the rest of your life to live by faith. And that's not a punishment. It's a privilege because the more decades you have here are opportunities to know God and serve him until perfection comes. There are moments when I think to myself, God, why is my faith so small? After all this time, why is it still like this? Why do I struggle like this? Why do I doubt like this? Yeah. Do you ever ask yourself these questions? The problem isn't with your faith. The problem is that in an ever-expanding world that you live in, your God, how you know him, isn't expanding Experience him. Know him personally. Let him speak to you. Let his promises wash over you. Let his peace dwell within you. May you also receive the commendation of God. May you also be counted with those who held on to his promises. May God not be ashamed to say, I am their God. I am David's God. I am Alice's God. May God hold to you. Church, let me pray. Father God, may we repent when we make faith all about us. Lord, at this time, we consider once more our Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, may we echo the thoughts of the Apostle who says, I want to know Christ 
I want to know him even more. I want to know his crucifixion. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know him. God, we pray that each day, each passing season, we may know you. May our knowledge of you Give us great joy. Give us great delight. Give us a holy fear to live before you in obedience and reverence to you. We ask in Jesus' name.